DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine largely disappear in a loss against the Milwaukee Bucks. We're going to recap that game a little bit. Plus, we're going to talk about how the Chicago Bulls have turned one of their biggest strengths of last season into one of their biggest weaknesses this season. We're going to talk about that. Plus, we're going to talk about the chances that the Bulls blow it up and who's the most likely players moved in a blow up if the Bulls do decide to go that route. We're going to talk about that. Plus, dive into the mailbag. All that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. I'm the host, Sir Hayes, but more importantly, you guys can follow the channel at Bulls Central Pod on every social media platform we happen to be on. With that being said, let's go ahead and get into the content for today. So, the Chicago Bulls lost. I mean, they lost to the Milwaukee Bucks. This was a winnable game, though, and I will give the Bulls credit for that. Yes, I was upset by last night. If you saw last night's post-game show, you know Hayes was heated after that loss, and it's mainly because of how we lost that game, right? The fact that Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan gave the Bulls a net bunch of nothing. Through the first three quarters in the game, Zach Levine made one field goal. Let me be clear on that. That is not an anomaly. That is not me quoting it wrong. Through the first three quarters of this game, Zach Levine made one, counted one field goal, having two quarters in the first three quarters of not making a single field goal at all. That's unacceptable. From a player that is that is your highest paid player on your team, it's unacceptable. And that's not to say that everything's on Zach Levine in this fall. No, because him and DeMar DeRozan were building brick houses out there. That's what they that's what they were doing. They were out there building brick houses. They housed at least 10 homeless people with the brick houses that they built in yesterday's game, which is what it is there. DeMar DeRozan going 3 of 14 um, in the game overall. Zach Levine going 5 of 19. Four of those free throws, I mean, uh, of those field goals coming in just the fourth quarter where he did score 12 points in the fourth quarter, ends up with 20 points, a solid stat line, right? I'll give Zach the credit. Solid stat line, uh, eight rebounds, five assists, one steal, one block, 20 points from Zach Levine. That in of itself sounds like a okay stat line. But Nikola Vucevic was the hero of this game. There was one in a loss. 26 points, 12 rebounds, five assists, one steal, one block from Nikola Vucevic in this game. And Kobe, another solid game from Kobe White overall. 16 points going 6 of 14 from the field. Three uh, rebounds, one assist, two steals from him. Solid game from Kobe White um, in this one. But the Bulls just, it kept being a game of run. And the Bulls kept getting the lead down to two. They get it down to four. They get it down to five, right? And then every time the Milwaukee Bucks would immediately march back and the Bulls just did not have an answer. And a big part of that is that two of your best players, you're supposed to be your 1A and your 1B, and Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan gave you basically nothing throughout most of this game. Yes, you know, I, I got into, uh, you know, back and forth with somebody in the comment section saying, well, at least he went out and got eight rebounds and he got to the rim because he got eight, eight free throws. Yes, but the thing is it, is that is judging Zach Levine by what how you judge a role player. Are we at the point in the season where we're judging Levine by the same metrics that we do role players, saying, well, at least he got to the free throw line, at least he got eight rebounds, cool. But Zach Levine has the potential to be one of the most efficient scorers in the NBA, and his team, losing by nine, just needed somebody to step up and score. So no, I'm sorry. Zach Levine doesn't get a pass for the eight rebounds and five assists. Cool, it looks good on the stat sheet. But when you watch this game, Zach Levine did not step up in the moments where we needed him the most. And I'm sorry, for for a player that's supposed to be your best player on the team, even you can say the second best if you think that DeMar's better than Zach, 
It's not going to cut it. And DeMar DeRozan was trash as well. Four, three of 14 from, from DeMar DeRozan, five of five from the free throw line. Yes, yeah, seven assists as well, four rebounds, one block. But listen, trash. Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan were largely trash throughout most of this game. And that is not going to cut it. It's it's sad when you look at a game and you can literally say that Patrick Williams, passive P himself, was better throughout most of the game than Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan. With four of seven, he got scores 13 points, three re- rebounds, two assists, two steals, and three blocks. The most impactful player off the bench for Patrick Williams. Shout out to Patrick Williams, especially after my video I dropped on him yesterday. Um, but ultimately, like, it just comes down to this. This team is not showing enough. This team is not executing well enough, right? Uh, finishing at the rim. The Chicago Bulls finished overall 13 of 26 from the rim, which, yes, is 50%, and that sounds okay. League average is 65%. They were 15% below league average. Zach and DeMar combined to go zero from nine at the rim, right? Cold shooting nights overall from the Chicago Bulls. It dooms this team every time. We had some flashes of some solid defense from the Chicago Bulls, and this was another night from three-point range. They did okay. 14 of 42 from three-point range for 33%. Again, not amazing, not earth-shattering, but okay, right? Overall, though, 38%. They took exactly 100 shots last night and hit 38 of them. That's not going to cut it, especially not when the Milwaukee Bucks are shooting 47% overall from the field. The Bulls did not take care of the things they, that they needed to take care of. Listen, did they turn over the ball? No, and I'll give them credit for that. I want to always be be factual and, and talk about the, the good and the bad, right? And they points off turnovers again. Bulls won points off turnovers 22 to 10. Right? We only turned the ball over six times, whereas we forced 15 turnovers by the Milwaukee Bucks. Points in the paint, 38 to 42, solid, right? Second chance points, 22 to 22. We tied that. The hustle stats were okay, but looking at this game, it just sucked for the Chicago Bulls. And one of the biggest things that stood out in this Bulls a game, and again, that so far in the season overall, is the defensive rebound. The Bulls were one of the better defensive rebounding teams in the league, right? We held opponents to 25.1 offensive rebounding percentage. We'll put them in top three of the NBA. Through 10 games so far this season, the Chicago Bulls are allowing their opponents to get 31.2% of their own field goals. So that's defensive or well, offensive on that side, but the Bulls' defensive rebounds. And that is 28th in the league. We've gone from a top three defensive rebounding team to, to bottom two, bottom three in the league. That's not going to cut it. You've gone from top. That's that's so that, that's the next topic is, is just talking about how the Bulls, one of their biggest strengths last year. We talked about, I've said it always before. One of the things that the Bulls did extremely well that helped them is they limited transition points by other teams and they rebounded the ball fairly well on the defensive side. Our offensive rebounding was one of our biggest issues. We've turned that into a positive, but we've let now the defensive rebounding turn into a negative for the team. And that was one of our biggest strengths last year. And that is what this Bulls team continually does, right? We are trading one thing to struggle in another. We we are the can't get right of the National Basketball Association. Every time the Bulls fix what is supposed to be an issue with this team, another one rears its ugly head that we can't get under under control. And again, that can point to coaching. That can point to roster makeup. That can point to a lot. And even Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, and Patrick Williams were all talked about the lack of rebounding on this team, talking about that it's a team thing. Other teams rebound as a team. That's one thing we saw against the Detroit Pistons. Rebounding as a team is is great. The Bulls don't do that, right? We don't do that. We can't finish around the rim. We we don't get get defensive rebounds enough. We don't rebound well enough. And I don't want to hear anybody say, well, it's the size. No, we've had the same. Hell, we were a smaller team last season and rebounded the ball better. It's about effort and execution. 
with the Chicago Bulls team. Yes, we have shot poorly on the season all. We we it's been bad. We've we shot poorly all year long. So hopefully you you, you hope that that's going to come around, right? But when you hear things like Demar Derozan saying, "I'm not concerned about it at all." Uh, of course, you want to be shooting well, and right now we're not. But we're getting a lot of great looks. We're getting more confident moving the basketball, finding guys, getting open shots, getting aggressive, going to the basket. We can't stop. We can't uh, stop that and get frustrated. Now, I do agree with that. You don't want to stop if you're generating good looks. You don't want to stop. You want to hope that you're going to start shooting the ball better, right? But the effort and execution as a team from a team level just isn't enough. It isn't enough. And, you know, everybody's saying that we're getting good looks at times. That's all fine and dandy. But if you're not converting those looks, something has to change, whether it's the personnel, the scheme, the coaching, something. Something has to change when you're struggling mightily in these type of areas. So, listen, shooting is a problem for the Chicago Bulls. Defensive rebounding has become a problem for the Chicago Bulls. Um, and it's time that this team plays with better energy. And so... You know, it, it, it's always going to be the woulda, coulda, shoulda. There are always going to be bright spots to take away. I would assume when the way that he's rounding out now and is finding himself on the bench is something that I love to see, even though he didn't have necessarily the scoring output um, that he had in the previous game, only five points in this game. But again, understanding, defense, things like that. A at the end of the day, this team is just, it's constantly spinning its cogs. And those cogs aren't getting us forward. We're not making any momentum, right? And so... Yes, we've turned some things that were weaknesses into positives, but when you let your positives then go to weaknesses paired with that, you stay in the same exact place. And that's where the Chicago Bulls team find themselves right now. They're in the same exact place, not because they haven't changed some things, because they have, but they've, they haven't held on. Also, experience the thrill of March Madness. If you're still out on the hunt for a sports book to call home, Bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter the bracket contest for a chance to take home prizes up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim the code BULLCENTRAL but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about my bookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use the promo code BULLCENTRAL to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. To what the, what the positives were, and that is why you see this Bulls team struggling in the way that they are. You got to get the defensive rebounding underway. You got to shoot the basketball better. DeMar DeRozan even doing another one is guarantees of saying that he guaranteed won't happen again. That's fine. I hope that this doesn't happen again. I hope that it doesn't happen again because this was ugly. It was ugly, right? And to see a team come out and perform a, in a winnable game against a team that on paper is, is like, the don't get me wrong, the Milwaukee Bucks have been struggling in their own ways this season, right? And defensively, they have their own struggles. So I don't want to make it seem like this, this is a game that the Bulls should have just marched in and took care of business. No, the Milwaukee Bucks have a generational player in Giannis Antetokounmpo who is an absolute dog, right? And Brooke Lopez, for what it's worth, is really has turned into a really good rim protector. But when it comes down to it, Bulls keep losing based on execution, and they're just not executing, executing basketball properly or in any shape, form, or fashion that is that indicative of a winning team. And we'll see if something ends up changing. And with that said, and talking about changing, we talked about Brian Windhorst's report a, a few days ago at this point, saying that a lot of uh, teams are sending their scouts to Chicago Bulls games, kind of waiting for it to blow up. And we keep hearing the same things. 
the Chicago Bulls and Toronto Raptors are two teams that a lot of teams are waiting to see what is are they going to blow up their roster? Are they going to make a big move with what happens to kind of either go full rebuild, go full retooling? But teams are waiting to see what this what the Bulls and the Raptors are going to do with their roster. And right now, you have to ask yourself this. What type of leverage do the Chicago Bulls realistically hold if they were to start exploring some of these trade talks, right? So you have Alice Caruso, who's a player that everybody understands how Alice Caruso can contribute to a winning team, especially outside of his stats, right? Stats aren't amazing, but it is what it is. We understand the impact that Alice Caruso makes. What leverage do the Chicago Bulls hold in that? I would say they hold quite a bit, right? Yes, his, his $9.5 million contract is a very favorable contract. He has another partially guaranteed year left on his contract after this so team can have another year of 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 a cap control contract before they have to worry about paying him so i think that there's some leverage to be held at in that how the bulls could use that leverage that's the thing demar Derozan, all-star last season uh, one of the most consistent players over the course of his nba career he typically stays healthy as well but he's a free agent at the end of this year and he is shooting some of the worst splits right now of his nba career thus far zach levine the last time levine was an all-star in 2021-22 but Levine as well, shooting some of the worst splits of his career right now, especially true shooting percentage. So when you look at it, right, the Bulls that I think those are the three Bulls that are most likely to be moved if the Bulls blow it all up. I know some Bulls fans are hoping that it's going to be Nikola Vucevic. Some Bulls fans hoping it's going to be Patrick Williams. But we're talking about leverage here, right? Patrick Williams right now going to restricted free agency. I'm sorry. There's not a lot of leverage there. Nikola Vucevic just re-signing uh, a three-year deal with the Chicago Bulls. There's absolutely leverage there. But I don't think you're going to get back the assets necessarily for the other players. I do think that he could be on the block if the Bulls decide to go for a rebuild. Let me be clear here. I still don't think that that's a high, highly uh, likely scenario that the Bulls go for a rebuild. But if they do, I do think that uh, that Nikola Vucevic could get you something. But you're really looking at those three players as probably the main players on your trade block if you blow it all up. Now, if you retool, it could be two out of those three. It could be one out of those three, depending on what you get back. To, to change the, the the output of this roster. But those are probably the three uh, players that the Bulls are going to get the most calls on. Now, what does that mean? What could they get back for it in, in a rebuild-type scenario, right? DeMar DeRozan, I don't think you're going to get a lot back with him being an expiring contract and the season that he's having. I'm not saying you get nothing back, but I don't think you're going to get a whole hell of a lot back. Zach Levine, considering that Zach Levine still has a few years left on his contract as well, I do think that you know the leverage there on top of just what he is as a player there is something to be said that you could, you could probably get back some first back for Zach, which is something that we've already heard that the Bulls do. We've heard, talked about it so much. We know that what the Bulls, what their value is and how they look at Zach Levine, right? They want two first-round picks back, a young, promising player, and then an older player to match salaries, right? That's what the Bulls are looking for in a, in a trade for Zach Levine. Now, you have to ask yourself, are you realistically going to do that? A couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, what Philadelphia 76ers would potentially offer for Zach Levine which is a 2028, I think, first-round pick. Um, what was it? Uh, uh, Harris as well and some other things. That could be something that the Bulls look to explore. But here's the thing. Zach Levine is under contract for three more years, right, through the 2027 season, 26-27 uh, season. So because of that, I think that the Bulls are still going to hold on to that value of wanting at least two first-round picks back. And, again, that is more of a rebuild-type scenario because, again, I don't think the Bulls are going to get a player back. I know some Bulls fans have mentioned Cam Thomas and stuff like that. I don't know if those teams are going to offer that for Zach Levine, but, you know, that's what it comes down to. And then you have Alice Caruso, the most cap-friendly player of all the players that we can mention here, right? And I think that 
because of matching salaries, it's easier for that. You're likely to get more first-round picks back because it's really easy to match a $9 million salary in the modern-day NBA without really digging deep into big components of your roster. So that's something you have to look at. I still don't think it's hugely likely that the Bulls go all full rebuild. But if they are, I think those are the three most likely players to be moved out in that case. But let me know what you guys think. Who do you think is most likely to be moved out if the Bulls do go full rebuild? But with that said, before we end the show today, I do want to go into the mailbag. This is all text messages. Just two we have here that I wanted to get into. The first one is from Spicy Butter, and he says this. What's good, little bro? Your take on P. Uh, Will was literally on point and one of the most wisest points. Also, tell me what you think. Aren't you glad the Bulls are concerned about how they come out of the gate? The Bulls aren't concerned about how they come out the gate. It shows that they care, and we're not even halfway through the season. Hell, we're not even 10 games in, but I'd rather go through this shit now than at the end of the season. Here's what I'll say. The slow starts for the Chicago Bulls are something that shoots the team in the foot every single time, right? And it's unfortunate to see a team constantly come out and have to play from a deficit because they allow teams to get out to big leads on them early. Now, I will say I love the way that the bench comes out and really trying to change that tone, and then the starters usually carry that on going forward. But you have to eventually, your starting lineup, you want them to have as much pride in it to not allow themselves to keep going down. And that's one thing I said on the post-game show yesterday, right, is that this team doesn't seem to be have a petty bone in their body, meaning they don't take losses personal. They don't want to go out there and stick it to another team. They don't want to do any of that. So I hope that, yes, it's 10 games in. Let's hope that this team is going through these struggles now, and then maybe by the end of the season we are talking completely different about the team. I really hope that's 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 the issue because these slow starts – they're absolutely going to kill the team. Now, as far as my P-Dub take, um, here's what I'll say on, on P-Will thing of it. I'm glad that he came out and performed yesterday. But like I said in my video, yesterday focused on P-Will. You got to show me. That's it. You got to show me. Show me consistently. He showed it last night. Let's see if it continues for P-Will. Because I, it's not that I want P-Will to fail. I don't. I want P-Will to succeed. But I no longer can go off the potential of what P-Will could be. I want to see it in reality. Let's hope that he shows it. All right, let's get into the second text message. This one's from Jason. He says this. What's up, Hayes? Sending in a question for the mailbag. Say we do go rebuild or retool. Do you think it's it'll be wise to keep Alex Caruso to set a culture for this team, for the young players on this team now, and that'll come in the future, or would we be better sending him off now for assets? Great question. Me and Pat, the designer, actually go kind of back and forth on this on Locked on Bulls as well. I think when you talk about setting the tone and culture, right, is Caruso a player that could do that? Yes. And I think that you would see how the bench unit plays, things like that, and how different the energy is when Alex Caruso comes in. But the thing that I look at is this. If you go retool, yes, you keep Alex Caruso if you can, depending on what you can get back for whatever players you send out in the retool. If you go rebuild, at that point, it becomes more about what can you get as far as assets that are going to really help this team improve. And if you do get a first or a young player back, like in the case of the Los Angeles Lakers rumor trade, you're getting a young player like Jalen Hood Shafino back, and maybe some seconds, you have to weigh that then. You have to weigh in and say, hey, is the culture that Alex Caruso could help set, or is it that we get an opportunity out of a player that could end up being a long-term starter for us, right? You have to kind of weigh that risk and reward when it comes down to it. So retool, I would say keep Alex Caruso if you can get the right pieces back. Rebuild, I say it really depends on what the offer is for Alex Caruso. And fortunately, I don't have that. I don't know that part of it. As rumors come out, we'll talk about it. But I think that's really what it comes down to, Jason. Let me know what you guys think on all that down below. But thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central. Make sure you guys are following the show at Bulls Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, bullscentralpod at gmail.com. And lastly, if you want to leave a text message and our voicemail for the mailbag, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. We are the number one spot 
for everything Chicago Bulls related. And like I liked in every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. See you right if you can, y'all. Peace. This has been a presentation of the Break Break Media. Media.